The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rock. I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above Rise all. up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked chime? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this. I hate the work of those who fall away. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, Mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmony sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And good day, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers are in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty Radio Show here on Red State Talk Radio where we use the Bible and the Constitution, not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so, SonsOfLibertyRadio.com, and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the face that's made for radio, head over to sonsoflibertymedia.com, and there you'll see two videos at the top of the screen. The one on the left side of the page is Bradley's show from yesterday, so if you missed that and you want to catch it, you can do that up until uh, 3 o'clock this afternoon, at which time he'll be live in that little area right there. On the right side of the page is where we're at now. You guys see it on the video. I've told you sometimes browsers don't catch up with each other. It's correct. It'll look different <laughs> for those who go there uh, than what you're seeing on the screen. But you click on that one, click on the play button, blow it up whatever device you've got. 
Look for the Rumble icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Click on that, and you can join us in the chat on Rumble. We are streaming live to Rumble at Sons of Liberty Radio Live. Also, beforeitsnews.com, top of the page, dlive.tv at The Sons of Liberty. We're also on a number of Facebook pages that bear my name, uh, as well as Twitter, for whatever that's worth. Uh, the Real Tim Brow 2, leave off in off the end of my name and put a 2 in its place. The Real Tim Brow 2, that's on Twitter. And then on Twitch at Real Tim Brown. Okay, you don't even have to put the in front of it. Real Tim Brown. So uh, be sure to check out those and subscribe to the channels there as well. Just as backups, but if if it goes out on whatever platform you're on, we're always on sonsoflibertymedia.com right there, top right side of the page. Uh, right up under that is where you can sign up for our email newsletter. That goes out once a day between 7 and 8 Eastern uh, at the in the evening. And uh, you'll get all the articles we have, including the Morning Show Archive. Now, people have asked me, is there a button for archives and stuff? Nope. You just have to go and find the video title for the one that you want, which you can find uh, at Rumble, at Sons of Liberty Radio Live. That's the channel. Go find that. Go to sonsoflibertymedia.com. You can actually put that title in the search engine. It should pull it up, or it'll probably be on the front page if you're just getting it that day. And uh, usually that's how that works. So just I'll, I'll just show you. See, there's the, there's the archive right there for yesterday uh, for you guys who are watching. So you can catch that um, at any time. It's got the podcast. So if you don't want to watch stuff and you want to listen, you got the podcast right there. You don't even have to play a video. All right. Lastly, if you agree with our message and you would like to help keep us out there, there's a donate button at the top of sonslibertymedia.com. Click on that and make a one-time donation. Our partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of Liberty. And guys, we really do appreciate, whoops, we really do appreciate uh, you guys uh, and your support and keeping us out there. Because again, it's not just radio. It's not just the internet. We're out among the people teaching our Christian constitutional heritage. So with that said, I told you that we're going to have a bombshell today. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and give a sort of a hat tip to my friend, Jim White, a former broadcast partner uh, for many years ago. And Jim and I have been friends for oh, over a decade, I think now. And um, Jim had a lady come to him from New York City. Uh, she has been involved in some type of work for Child Protective Services for many years. She has sent over her credentials. So as best we can tell, she is the real deal. She's backing up everything that she says as to who she is and what she's done. And uh, I, he says, look, uh, he said, Tim, we, we need to get her out here because when you start talking about this kind of stuff, that's risky business for the criminals behind it. So I said, sure, I, you know, whatever we can do to do that, we'll do it. So it's my privilege to welcome to the Sons of Liberty, Ann Elliott. Good morning, Ann. Good morning, Tim. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Now, I just want people to understand, we, we had Ann set up to come on Zoom. She was going to come on camera, and she's got some issues kind of like I was having the other day on the computer. And uh, her Zoom, she says, just keeps spinning and won't load up or whatever the case may be. So we have her calling in. And, uh, you know, Ann, what I, what I want you to do is can you help people understand just a little bit about who you are and what your background is before we get into all this nitty-gritty, dirty stuff that's going on there, and not just in New York City but around the country? And even around the world, as a matter of fact, can you give people a little bit uh, of a background as to who you are and what you've been involved in? Yes, I live in New York City, and for the last 25 years, I've worked in the child welfare industry in New York City. Um, specifically, I worked with, um, you know, each state has a different name for it. Ours is the Administration for Children's Services. So I worked there for 10 years. 
And then I shift over into the foster care system for another 15 years. And so during that time, I've worked with families with children um, that are, you know, removed from the home and placed into foster care. Um, so my background is 25 years. Um, I've seen all the corruption. I've seen all the dirty work. I've seen all um, everything that is so wrong with the system and how it operates. But uh, most importantly, uh, and unfortunately, it was about 10 years ago when I uh, first encountered and came upon situations where uh, I realized that children were um, being trafficked and that this was a very widespread um, citywide um, agency-wide operation that was taking place. And so um, it has been uh, a hellish <laughs> nightmare for me uh, trying to work in this industry and being very vocal about what I've seen, what I've experienced, um, being asked to traffic children, refusing to do so, um, having my life turned upside down, which certainly is a key to their own guilt um, of what is being done in the system by the people who are supposed to be keeping children uh, safe. Uh, children aren't safe with their families because they're not safe in the hands of child welfare workers. And so my hope is to get this word out. I am someone in the system, work in the system. I've seen how it's done um, from the courts to the attorneys, to the managers, the supervisors. Uh, everyone is involved in this operation, uh, which I call uh, basically a child trafficking um, empire that does exist not only in New York City, but in so many um, major cities and states around this nation. And as you said, globally. Yep. So that's just a little bit about myself. Yeah, absolutely. So so you go into this, uh, you're probably like my friend, David Risolata. He's out of Oklahoma. He went to um, he went to college out there and he was wanting to get into social work and he wanted to affect, um, you know, a positive change. He wanted to try to come at it from a Christian point of view and really try to help families, help families stay together, look after children and this kind of thing. And, and they denied him, uh, I think it was his master's degree, uh, because he wouldn't toe the Marxist line, the Yelinsky line of, of how they were indoctrinating the social workers there. So I, I have a, I have a mm -hmm. feeling that many people go into it thinking, maybe some of them just think, oh, it's a job, I can do a job. Other people think, I'm really helping something, I'm doing something here. So tell us, Tell us how long you've actually been in this, because before you were within uh, the, the Child Protective Service there in New York City, you were with a Catholic organization, Catholic Guardian, I believe is the name of it. Can you tell us how many years you've yes. been in that? And what was the first sign that you saw that something was amiss? Um, well, I've been in the foster care um, end of it for 10 years, since 2013 was when I really stepped into it at an agency called... Um, Graham Wyndham at the time. Um, many of us that go into this profession, you know, go into it for a noble cause because there's really no money in this industry if you want to get rich. <laughs> you have to really be in it for the outcome of families and children. And so many of us coming into this industry, we're coming into it from a Christian point of view. We're coming in committed. We're helping families and children. And, and so along the way, you begin to realize that this is a very, very 
corrupt system that does not work well for families. And it certainly at times does not work well for children. And so you begin to be in conflict with the things that you see, the things that you're asked to do, the criminal activities and behaviors that you are asked to do. Um, I can assure you that most of the people that are left working in the system are people that are willing to go along with the corruption and, and with the criminal activities that is taking place with regards to these children. Um, someone like me staying in the system, uh, it's very, very, very difficult. Um, so much is, has been done uh, to have me removed and many have left the system, but I stayed in for this purpose. It's because I needed to see, I needed to know the length and the depth and the width of this corruption of trafficking children uh, through the child welfare system. And when I started 25 years ago, it was a, a brand new agency that had split off from um, human resources. And so it became its own entity. And so I was brand new, I was bright eyed and slowly as the years went on, I began to become very disillusioned as to what I began to see. And, you know, the, the motto when we, you know, when you come in the indoctrination show, so to speak, is when in doubt, just pull them out. You know, when in doubt, pull them out. So we're not giving any credence to the families, to the parents, to the children, to the trauma of, of just ripping children out of their homes and from their family um, because it's just the easiest, things to, the easiest thing to do. Of course, yeah. And so there is a lot of money that goes into the pockets of these organizations. Lots of money that goes into the pockets of the CEOs, managers, directors, supervisors who are willing to be part of this um, franchise of trafficking children, this crime syndicate, this crime criminal empire of trafficking children, everyone is benefiting from it. The foster parents are benefiting from it. Um, the, the, the workers on the front line that are pulling the children are benefiting from it. I remember one agency I went to, even with 18 years experience, and in a few months they realized uh, while I was in my HR, you know, going through the paperwork, someone tipped them off to who I was. So instead of starting me at a mid 40 salary, they put me at a base salary. So here I was sitting with colleagues who was there four years, but because they were going along with the program, they were making nearly 50,000. So these colleagues was willing, they were willing to rig uh, reports for the court to take children. They were willing to falsify documents. They were willing to lie on the family, willing to lie on the parents. So these children could be taken from the parents and be given uh, to, to, quote, sponsors, uh, the elite, um, pedophiles. Um, as one of my colleagues and I was talking, and she's doing advocacy work, and she said, and I got out because my colleague and realized that we were actually uh, putting these children in the hands of pedophiles. Wow. And so we had to come out and we began to do work to save these children um, by working with the parents and beginning to open these cases and beginning to sit at the table and beginning to go to court to stop the courts and the attorneys from illegally taking these children from their families. Um, 
scenarios are created. Abusive situation is created because it happened in my own family with a relative of mine. Stories are being created just to take these children. Um, you know, and as I said, everyone uh, is getting paid at the table uh, to do, you know, it, it, it's like um, a mall. You're shopping. You, you call up. I want a child. It's that easy. Okay, okay. Hang, hang on. Hang, hang on. Because there's, there's a lot of stuff here that I'd like to pull out. Now, we had Heather, uh, you know, a friend of mine, Heather Hobbs, come on. She was out in Oregon at the time. She's in Texas now. I don't know if you're familiar with Heather, but uh, Heather is, um, you know, she she really goes out uh, to try to protect the unborn. And um, but she was involved in helping a lot of ladies out there. And one of the avenues, uh, it seems to me that CPS has become a business rather than some kind of service. Not that I think government has that authority to be doing that in the first place. I, I think it needs to be done away with along with a lot of other departments. Nevertheless, they they do exist. And uh, one of the things that she found out was that they were working with Planned Parenthood. And so if a woman got pregnant, they would come in. They they had she had three ladies at the time. Sorry, we got a cafe going on in here. Somebody's up this morning and uh, they they had this stuff going on. And so they would come into these mothers homes and the mothers would be like having two or three kids. And they would come to CPS and they would say, look, we we want to get birth control or whatever, uh, which I'm against, too, uh, because I believe they're uh, uh, infanticide. Uh, they're in, uh, the board of patients. And but nevertheless, they they asked for that. And so the CPS worker said, well, you got three kids. You you um, <clears throat> you don't need this or they wanted some kind of service. It wasn't that they were already pregnant. And CPS told them, well, in order they came in and they took their kids. And they said, to get your kids back, you've got to have an abortion. And they were working with Planned mm. Parenthood over that. And two of the women did it. One of them didn't. Um, the two who did it to get their kids back didn't get their kids back. Um, and I know there's money there for if they take the child and dissolve parental uh, rights and things of this nature, which I don't think they're I don't think they can actually do. They pretend to do it. But they they do those kind of things. And then they make a bundle on adoption as well, and the and foster parents make, gosh, I think in this state it was an extra thousand or two thousand dollars, something like that, uh, a month for you know taking children into their home. So when you talk about human trap, when you talk about child trafficking, you're talking about it on a number of different levels through foster care, uh, through you know being trafficked to I don't get, I guess somebody famous or whatever. And you and I talked on the phone. The Roman Catholic Church has been involved in trafficking, not just of children, but of women and and men. And then obviously some of the pedophile things that we've seen from uh, priests, you know, molesting little boys and stuff. Would you say that's an accurate representation of what CPS has become more of a of a business of a slave trade, for, for lack of a better term? Yeah, you are absolutely correct, Tim. Um Quite a few of my colleagues, even if they're not into the whole trafficking thing, um, we realize that this is really not about family and children and services. It's a business. Uh, We are running a business. Um, The federal government dumps, pours money into this big business that we call child welfare. Um, We have reduced this industry to numbers and and shoving children in and out like cattle. Um, 
And so, yes, I worked at a couple of agencies for the last 10 years. Um, I was in a, a new agency every year simply because I was being forced out once they found out who I was. So Catholic Guardian was one of those agencies that I worked for. And of course, um, the Catholic Church, again, that's a whole corrupt um, machinery, again, of pedophilia, um, child abuse. And this goes back to hundreds of years. Amen. Yeah, it many does. of these, yeah, many of these agencies and organizations was started by the Catholic Church. And so this system of trafficking children, even though we didn't have that language back then, it is a relatively, you know, modern language um, for the last 30 years of, of trafficking children. This was one of the agencies that I worked for and went through the most horrific things that I cannot get into simply because they knew who I was and they now began to implement certain strategies to have me forced out. And one of the things um, was the trafficking of our young girls um, and the lack of response, which another colleague and I was talking about yesterday, the lack of response from law enforcement to track these young girls, the lack of response of the court system when parents go in to say, look, my teen needs supervision. I would like to file a pin. They push back. We're having these girls missing. Um, saying stuff like, you know, we classify them as runaways. They're missing. Oh, I'm at my aunt's house. I'm with my cousin down south. I'm in Maryland. And so all of those cases went cold. There's no follow-up. They're not obligated to give us any information. But we know these girls have been trafficked across state lines. And so... You know, the, the, the familiar theme is always they're with an older man. They have the finest clothes, shoes, bags. Um, one of my colleagues, um, you know, went to court with her 18-year-old and, you know, that we worked on getting her apartment and everything. And so when she went to court, um, it was time for her to be discharged. And so the agency said, yes, we have apartment for her. She rejected the apartment. And so on her way out to the court, there was a gentleman, very well-dressed gentleman, you know, sitting in the court and, and he, you know, the judge asked, who are you? And he said, oh, I, I've known her since she was a baby. I know her family. And, um, you know, I just came here for support. So after the court, she looks at the worker and she says, oh, these little apartments is beneath me. I have my own penthouse in Washington, D.C., and so she proceeded what? to leave and my colleague, oh yeah. So my colleague followed her and this gentleman and she took a snapshot of the license plate of the car she went in and the license plate matched someone from a Fortune 500 company. Come on. And she was off to Washington. This is a familiar story. And how old was this young lady? And how old this was this young lady? young lady, she was 80 uh, 17, 18 years old. Okay. Um, but I spoke to, to, to the youth development specialist, and I said to him, my concern about our agency is this. We're having these teens come into our workshop, 14, 15, 16. Child trafficking is an issue, and I'm still waiting for us to have a proactive 
workshop around this for our youth, especially for girls, because we know that they're trafficking. One of the, the agencies that was on the Catholic Church also was busted last year for running a prostitution ring in the foster home, through the foster home. And the father, the foster father, had a previous conviction of taking young girls across state lines into prostitution. This didn't make the big headlines in the news. It, it, it wasn't published for a month until someone got a hold of it, published it, and even then they refused to call out the foster care agency. And this young lady called it out and the investigation just went cold. Um, they covered the agency, they covered up everything, and this is just a familiar theme that goes on in the child welfare system. Okay, My and own experience was... Let me ask a clarification question here. When you say they're covering it up, are you just referencing CPS? Are you referencing, I don't know, where you're at, NYPD? Are you referencing those in Congress? Or what do you got? You guys call them assembly assemblymen, it, right? Up in there in New yeah, York. Yeah, this... How far yeah, does this go um, up? Who, who, is, who is aiding oh, in the cover-up? Oh, everyone. The FBI, the Department of Justice, the Attorney General, the state attorney generals are covering it up. Um, the judges are involved. They're not just covering. They're involved. They are part of trafficking the children. Um, they are part of responding to these calls from these elites, from the cabal, um, from the Hillary Clintons and the John Podestas. Um, it's a hassle-free way of getting children. No one is going to believe a parent that's lying and saying the worker is telling lies. Once a worker agrees to rig a report and puts that in the court, everyone involved in that case is involved in the cover-up. The mother's attorney, and I'm, I'm talking about something I know because I've sit and sat in the middle of it. I've been in proceedings in the back room. When we go into the courtroom, it's just a formality. I've heard attorneys lightly say, oh, we're not giving that kid back. They just make these decisions in the back room. And then we go in for the formality. And um, by the time they discovered who I was, that's when I began to see, you know, a particular judge would wear a symbol on his, on his, his robe to say, I agree with you. I'm standing with you. Go forward and do what you have to do because it is happening. Now, he's not verbalizing that. Another uh, advocate of mine shared that. During the lunch break, the judge came off the bench. She was in her robe. She came out into the waiting area, passed her, and dropped a note in her lap. When she opened it, the judge had written, please, please, I don't want to lose my job, but I need for you to open up the whole child trafficking that is taking place in foster care. Because apparently the 15-year-old girl, on her case, this judge knew that this child was being trafficked. Incredible. So the judges, they're judges that are aware of it. And they're judges, from my understand, uh, it's alleged that a Judge Richardson in our Manhattan family court, where the elites live in Manhattan, where the money people are, 
who sits on the bench, that he's the go-to judge to get children. And so it's a whole very elaborate. My own experience was my supervisor said, someone call and want the four-year-old on your case. It was a little girl. And I was like, who is this person? And if they want this four-year-old, she's in foster care. They have to go through the channel. A home study has to be done, all of that. No. He says to me, I've worked at this agency for eight years, and when we want a child, nothing stops us from terminating the mother's rights. Wow. So, Miss Elliot, you need to get with the program. And she said there have been many workers here who wouldn't get with the program, yeah. and they no longer have a job here. So this was so open. It was so blatant. Uh, the attorney that represents the organization, when I went to court, blatantly told me my, my reports were not reflecting the direction that they wanted the case to go in, which she said, we are going to terminate this mother's rights. And so because my report was the truth, it was favorable to the mother who was doing everything she's supposed to do to get her child back. The attorney did not enter that report into the court proceedings that day. And so that was for the fir- very first time I realized the judge and all the attorneys were in on getting this four-year-old taken away from the mother and given to whoever was shopping for this child who wanted this child. Okay, it is right. that easy. Let's okay. Let's let's take that just a step because I had a oh, whoops, I got the wrong thing up there. I had a guy. We had him on the show. He was out of California. Um, he yeah. had his children taken, and he was counting the days. He knew the exact amount of days they'd been gone. His wife was killed. He believed somebody inside. Uh, I forget whether it was the police department or whether it was when CPS had his wife murdered and then he got the kids, mm-hmm. the boys, and then they came and took them and they mocked him and they said they were sending him to some lady. I forget the name. The, sh- the show will I'll try to find the show and put it up in the archive for people if they want to hear it. Mm-hmm. But he had one lady who was going to report on it. She got a call during their meeting. She went in to see the judge in his case. And she came out. He said she was white as a sheet. It was nine o'clock in the morning. She goes, I'm going to go get lunch. I'll talk to you after. He said, I never heard from her again. And uh, he shared his story. And I know personally, my wife and I have dealt with CPS here in South Carolina. They didn't take our kids, but they did make certain threats against us if we didn't, you know, take them to their doctors. People know my story who listen to the show. And um, I never had that situation. But boy, it took me to some dark places as a father because. One of the things you're mentioning, uh, you know, all these people who are involved, including the FBI, they're all unlawful. They're a lawless gang. I don't care who's in there mm-hmm. and you claim that you're a Christian, you claim you're a good guy. You're in a lawless gang. And this is why the mm-hmm. whole system needs to be ripped down, like Thomas Jefferson said, dissolved in the Declaration of Independence and new government instituted to secure our liberties because they're being violated. And of course, these little ones. Let me let me bring up this passage. This is one of the passages that we we quote time and time again here uh, on the Sons of Liberty. And this is the context of Matthew 18, verse 3. And said, Verily mm-hmm. I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven, the model of that is little children. They believe mom and dad. Mom and dad's going to take care of them. They live their lives in joy and, you know, just enjoying life and doing what they do, and they trust mom and dad to care for them. Whosoever, therefore, shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. 
And whoso shall receive one, such little child in my name receiveth me. But whoso shall offend one, and you know, it's interesting, the Bible doesn't even address sinning mm. against children. It does adults, yeah. it does, you know, adulterers and things of this nature, but it says, those who, who uh, shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged around his neck and they were drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come, but woe to that man by whom the offense come. And one of the things, Anne, is that it seems we're hearing more and more of this, and I'm sure it's been going on a lot longer than this. We talk about Watergate, and that was really a cover-up for the whole uh, Franklin deal where they were trafficking in these boys and stuff yeah. like that. But it, with the Internet, now it's more and more being exposed as to the wickedness of man. Man is not yeah. basically good. He's mm -hmm. basically wicked. That's why he needs a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the question that I have is, is you had made mention, I think before, of people putting in order. They, they pick out a, a child that they want, and then they're going to get them. There was a website, I think it was titled Wednesday's Child. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Correct. Tell me, tell correct. the audience mm -hmm. about what is actually going on, because I'm going to tell you, even though I see all the stuff, it's just, it, it's hard for me as a man to try to understand how brazen people have to, one, put up a website like that, two, for men or women or whoever to post on that site and say, I want this kind of child. And then for another person to go and steal that child from their family, I got to tell you, this is why I want the militia revived in the communities, real law-abiding men who will say, you know what, we're not getting paid to do this. We care about our community. We care about our kids and our families and our community. And they're going to put a stop to it. That's why we have a Second Amendment. And I don't care if, you, if people quote me on that or not. That's why it's there. It's to stop this kind of lawlessness. Tell us about this Wednesday's Child website that used to be up. And what went on there? Yes, our main um, office, uh, Administration for Children's Services, um, had a website called Wednesday's Child. And if you know anything about the cabal and the pedophiles and the Hillary gang, because she, you know, essentially Hillary helped craft this whole pyramid of what's going on sure. currently um, with the ASFA laws back in 1996. Uh, where children are now uh, being terminated sooner. Usually families, you work with families for as long as it takes for the family to get well, for the children to go home. The law that Hillary crafted was we give them only 12 to 15 months. And then if they're not, they didn't get themselves together, we just take their children. We file to have them, uh, their rights terminated. So what happened is these children ends up on a website called Wednesday's Child. Now, if you know anything about the cabal and the pedophile, most of their operation and coding and language comes from nursery rhymes. And there's a nursery rhyme that says that Wednesday's child is full of woe. So they had this Wednesday's child. I knew about the program, but I didn't know it was in a website form until I went to Catholic Guardian. And they had a worker. And all you had to do was go on this website and just scroll through it. Six-year-old, five-year-old, seven-year-old, 10-year-old, children, and you just pick a child. This is how brazen and this is how blatant this 
thing has, and once I heard that, I just really became excessively vocal. And I think whatever it is I said, and, you know, I use my social media platform to hit out on a lot of this. And so the commissioner at the time, who was taking an exit, began to clean up his image so he can exit. And so they shut the website down. Um, another thing that I was vocal on was how they were removing documents, favorable documents from the system that would, that would be entered into evidence when these termination, uh, termination you know, court hearings happen. So going in and pull documents that says mother is making her visit, right? Yep. You don't have that in the right. You don't have that to enter into evidence, right? So this is how they do it when you go to court. Some things are dismissive. Other things are not brought up. Um, the way a CPS or a case planner is to work, that they know is to work for the reunification of the family. Most of us can do this in our sleep. You bypass those things and the judge overlooks certain things. You don't ask certain questions because then it's going to open up something that may have this child go back home to the parent. And so there is a way that it's been done in the court system. Promises are being made. Um, my supervisor told me that the attorney for the child told this uh, same-sex couple, um, I'm going to make sure you get this baby. So she was relaying that message to me in a way to say, you have no you know, control over this. We have already decided that we're taking this baby and we're giving it to the same-sex couple. So they're working on behalf um, so, of the sodomites as well. Absolutely. But as I said, it's a very interconnected network interwoven with law enforcement, um, FBI, Department of Justice, um, other grassroots organizations, um, it's a well-connected industry. Now, my personal situation and even my family, they tried to take my grandnieces. And um, the worker was trying to do the correct thing because she was new. But then they had someone step in when that new worker wasn't doing things according to what they wanted. So they had another worker come in who will now begin to skew the reports, um, falsify the reports adding things to the report. And I, you know, told my niece, do not tell them that you have an aunt that work in child welfare system because I see where this case is going. So at the point of where the trial was coming up, that's when it was disclosed. And so the day before the trial, they called my niece 10.30 p.m. that night and said they were just going to dismiss the case. So they knew they were in hot water. Because by that time, I requested the link, and I wanted to be in the court. And I sent a message that once this is over, the judge, the attorneys, and everyone on this case is going to be exposed and is going to be brought down. And so they dismissed that case promptly. And there was no trial. There was no hearing. They closed the case in 30 days. End of story. So I'm basically saying this is what's done. It's it, It's done more often than we realize. And even doctors corroborate um, with this. 
the foster parents corroborate. Uh, I met a foster father once uh, begging me to help him because he said my supervisor was on the take. I said, what do you mean? What happens when a child, the foster parents corroborate with the supervisors to lie on the parents uh, concerning these visits? Whenever they adopt this child, they get an incentive of $14,000 from the IRS when yep. you show them that yep. adoption paper. That's right. Yep. And so the supervisor cuts a deal with the foster parent. And so he overheard this conversation because he got to the agency super early and they weren't aware that he was just around the corner standing, waiting to get into the room. And so they were having this, this discussion. And the foster mother said, uh, the supervisor said she'll take 5000 and give the foster parent 8000 And so they took his child. They took his child. Um, another, a, a friend of mine, um, her brother's child was in the system. They did the same thing to him, took his child. Um, and so it's very easy. Everyone is in on it. Everyone cooperates with it. And those who uh, don't want to cooperate won't have a job or a career in this field of child welfare. And so it is more prevalent than we know, that we realize. Um, there is, you know, I call the gatekeeper, <laughs> uh, the person who gives all the instructions. Uh, that's the one that's trying to have me killed, literally. Um, I've been poisoned several times. Yeah, can you tell people, can you elaborate, me. can you elaborate a little bit on that, Anne, as to the threats um, and attacks you've experienced? Yes. Um, People have been paid. There, there were colleagues that were paid to watch me, colleagues that were paid to take back information to this one particular person. Her name is Janetta Rhodes. Um, I call her like the, 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 you know, I don't know if you know, Jesse Zaboda talked about the mother of darkness and how these women work in the industry, child welfare industry. And they are the mother of darkness because they are mothers themselves that are overseeing um, the trafficking of children, the raping of children, the blood sacrifice of children. Um, and so this one woman, um, I stayed in because I wanted to see just how much power she was wielding. And I realized she has power at the headquarters. She had powers in the court system because she was the one who gave all orders concerning me and what needed to be done. Um, she infiltrated my housing management. They began working with her um, because, again, that's a whole corrupt system. As I said, it's a vast, wide network operation. And they began to come into my apartment because part of my lease is that the management must have a copy of my key. And so they came in. They would search my apartment looking for documents, evidence they're looking for. Key documents of mine were removed. I guess they went, you know, to take copies. I don't know. It was put back. There was a lot of intimidation uh, stuff. I remember when I spoke to the police department because my phone is hacked. And I said, you guys need to come and dust, you know, for prints to find out who is coming in my apartment. Um, I remember I came home one day and they put rubber, rubber I opened my refrigerator. And there was a pair of rub, rubber gloves 
on the shelf of my refrigerator. And that way they were telling me, you're not going to find any fingerprints. And so they would leave things in my home. They would, you know, like my mouthwash, they put some kind of liquid in there. I don't know what it was. But when I went to, to, to do it, my mouth was just burning on fire. And so I spit it out. And it's just by sheer God's grace that I'm alive. Um, eating food and became becoming horribly ill, mm. realizing that I was poisoned. Um, you know, and, and vomiting, um, all of that stuff up, at which, again, you know, I said it's just by God's grace. Um, I well, you know, Mark, told me, do not. Yeah, you know, Ann, Mark, yes. uh, I believe it's 16, talks about they will drink poison, those who follow Jesus, and they'll, they'll live. Not, and that's not to tempt the Lord. We don't do that. But I do think he watches yeah. out after us. We've quoted Psalm 91. It's one of my favorite passages for this whole convid stuff. And I call it a con because that's what it is is that God yes. protects us not only from those who seek to give us terror, but he also protects us from the, from the perilous pestilence. Uh, he warns us about that if Absolutely. we hide ourselves in him. So I'm glad that you're giving a testimony there for that. Let me, let, let me ask you this, because obviously they, they've targeted you, and I'm sure some people are going, okay, Ann, well then why haven't they fired you? Why haven't got, they gotten rid of you? Uh, they've tried all these other things. Why, why don't they just get rid of you out of the system? And my mind immediately goes to they'd rather keep you close so they can keep an eye on you because you probably have you got 25 years of information that you can spill. They want to keep an eye on you so that you they want to kind of, I guess, keep you on a short leash, so to speak. What's your estimation? And I, I want to go further a little bit and ask some other questions about some uh, stories that are out in well, even the Mockingbird media as to what your thoughts are in there. But what, what's your assessment as to why they continue to keep you there rather than just getting rid of you? Yeah, what happened in my situation is quite unique, and it, it's a matter of me outsmarting them. Um, so what most of my jobs, I did not get through an immediate interview process. I went through the route of a temp agency. So once you go to the route of a temp agency, you are placed immediately. So a worker leaves, and they say, oh, um, could you, you know, we need someone to come in immediately. They said, okay, we're sending someone over. All I have to do is go show them my resume. The work, the supervisor looks at it and said, oh, great. All right. You have 20 years experience, 15 years experience. Okay. And they give me a desk and a chair. By the time I get in the system, because my credentials now are going in the system, the principal people that are tracking me to find out where I am finally knows where I am. So what I had to make sure was that they could not use the work, my work, to fire me. So I had to be pinpoint on my work, which if you go back, you know, I've had many commendations from the good guys in the system or the good judges in the system. So whenever they really um, try to plant stuff, remove things from, like they would remove documents and then they would write me up and said, well, you didn't do your work. What they don't know is that I print everything I type. So when they bring that up, I drop the manila folder on their desk. And when they open it, everything they pull from the system is there because I printed it out the moment after I typed it. So I would have it at evidence. 
And so over the years, because I know their strategy, I had to outmaneuver them and outstrategize them to be able to, to, to do it. Now, I've had some good guys that tried to protect me, but they made their lives also miserable. Right? Because now they, yeah. they are also aware of what's going on. They are opposed to what's going on. And so their life is now miserable because they are now trying to protect me. There's a few, you know, born again believers of us in the system that is strongly opposed to it. So the commissioner that we do have now, mm. uh, I worked under him when he was a CEO. That was the main organization, I believe, that was like the mothership for trafficking children. And so because he knows me and because they all know that I've been vocal, very vocal at the headquarters, and there is nothing really to say, there is absolutely nothing to say we're firing you because they have absolutely nothing to say we're going to fire you. I've had to be very bold. I've had to be very courageous. I've been written up many times, but I've also rebutted those write-ups that could not be used. Uh, as I said, email, time-sensitive emails were removed, but I did make sure that what I do was so sharp and pinpoint that it, it garnered my department accolades, <laughs> so to speak. And so, because um, I've been doing this for so long. And so once I get in these agencies, to be honest, since, 2013, I have not worked a full year at any one agency. Because once my cover is blown, then there's a push and, and, and strategies to force me out. So everything is being done to get me to quit, which I refuse to do. And so usually what ends up happening before the year is out, I get laid off for some reason. Oh, we have to lay you off because we, you know, for whatever reason. Sure. And so in less than a year, I was on to a new job. And so I would call a temp agency, send them my resume. I go in. I speak to someone who really doesn't know me. They want to know I have the experience. I know what to do. They give me a desk and a chair, and I sit there. Once I'm in the system, they search for me. They said, oh, she's in this agency now. Then they start making the phone calls. This is who she is. Watch her. This is what she, they called me, you know, the whistleblower. And so, um, and then the whole process starts again. And then within a few months, max nine months, I'm out of that organization. Um, so I stayed in, you know, my colleagues have said, Anne, leave, this is dangerous. What's being done to you? You know, you, you know, this is very dangerous. You need to get out. I said, no, I need to do my investigation. Um, this is wrong. It is corrupt. Um, but I, I, I was very vocal for the last two years of the criminal activities of removing documents to skew and to terminate mother's rights. And so what the commissioner, outgoing commissioner did, they developed now a system where you have to have, you generate your own secure ID number to a secure ID on your phone to input that to open up and go into the system, which basically what he's trying to say is making it secure so every person has their own ID so no one else can get in there. Not true. Um, these people are evil. They corrupt. All of this is just a smoke screen. 
And can I can I can I, can I ask a clarifying question here? And I want to ask you: Can you hold over with us after the show, and we carry over a few minutes? Is that okay to do? Yes, that's fine. Okay. All right. So I want to ask you a question here because I know you talked about there are some good judges. And when you and I talked, uh, you talked about there are some people that are sort of in your corner. They're coworkers. Some of them are attorneys there. Uh, and I didn't hear the issue of judges because I, I thought you had communicated to me the judges are running scared. Are there any, when you say good judges, can you define what you mean by that? There are there judges that, are you saying they're judges? that are there in New York City who actually want to keep the families together. They know what's going on with some of this criminality, but as the yes. cases come to them, they're saying, no, we're not going to do this. We're not going to play this game. Is that what you're referencing when you use the term, quote unquote, good? Yes. Okay. Um, one of my friends, I know at least three. I know personally at least three. Um, you know, they make me know in their own way and um, to say, I'm one of you, you know, I'm, I'm with you on this. They're born again believers. Um, one of them I met behind, you know, a prophecy that was given to me that I was going to meet this particular judge, family court judge. And um, some other things were said, and I did end up meeting that judge who is a born again believer. Um, and I, there's another also judge that, again, is a born-again believer. And, um, you know, in his own way, while he was on the bench, was letting me know, go for it. We know this is going on, and it needs to be exposed. Again, my colleague, um, you know, advocate, colleague, again, that judge, she came off her bench. Usually judges don't, you know, they go in the back of their chamber and have lunch or do whatever, but she came out of the courtroom and she came out into the waiting room just to walk past her to drop that paper in her lap. And it basically said, I don't want to lose my job, which means she doesn't want to go forward. She doesn't want to be exposed to say, I'm opposed to what's going on. I know what's going on, but I need for you guys on the front line to please, please, please expose this. And this Anne, again was a, you, a friend of mine. Yeah. Can you hold that story for just a second? We're going to close out the show. We're going to bring you back up after we finish this. Guys, you can join us on sonsoflibertymedia.com uh, for the rest of the interview before it's news or any of the other uh, items. That, this is why I push tactical civics. This is up to us, man. You're hearing what you're hearing is going on in New York City. You know what's going on in your state. You know what's going on in your county. Get with other men and start forming that militia. You're going to have to do it. We're going to have to do it. Not you, just me too, okay? We're going to have to do it. That's the enforcement of the law is the Constitution Militia. Bradley B. with you at 3. We'll see you in the morning, Lord willing, at 6 a.m. Adios. Okay, want to welcome everybody coming over from Red State Talk Radio. And I just want to say, look, uh, whether you follow out the plan of tactical civics or not, the information is vital to learn your civic duty. We are the solution here. You people who keep wanting a red wave and you can't wait to vote and all that nonsense, if you're not out there living your life fully in your own community the way you're supposed to live it before God, and if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, how do you expect other people to do it? You're called to be disciplers. This is why I see Tactical Civics as a discipleship program. Yeah, we'll start with Christian men, but we want to bring in people who aren't Christian to teach them this is what Christian men do, and here's why they do it, because the Creator has told us, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's laid it out in the Word of God 
as to what we're doing. We're to be protectors. We're to be providers. We're to be those who uphold the law. And how do you uphold the law when you've got the the corruption in it and the depths that we're hearing from Anne this morning? And this is just in New York City. This isn't even mentioning everywhere else outside of there. So, Anne, I, I hated to interrupt you there. I, I apologize for that, but we had to close out the show. Please continue your thought about this. I think you were talking about a young lady there uh, that they were dealing with. Yes. Yes. So she, you know, so when you're talking about good guys, you're talking about myself, a whistleblower. You're talking about the, the FBI, um, people in the FBI that are whistleblowers that are coming forward. People in the system like that link you sent me about from the, the woman from the uh, Health and Human Resources that's blowing the whistle. She worked on the inside. So obviously there are also judges that are good guys. If they could be whistleblowers, they would. There are attorneys who, if they were whistleblowers, you know, they would, except they have a livelihood to, to protect. So the good guys are those that are whistleblowers like myself. Um, and some judges are opposed to it. Um, but there are a lot of judges that are very much involved in it. And it's, um, as I said, it's an empire across the board. It's inter the hospitals, I do believe. Uh, are, are also part of that whole vast network. Um, the, the psychiatric facilities are also a vast part of that network of, of, of trafficking children um, and, and writing, you know, false reports so children can be removed. And so, you know, when we, when we talk about this system, it's really a criminal uh, crime syndicate. It is Big business. Um, it is less about the service of families and saving children. It is a vast empire, a big business. And as I said, so many people are getting paid. Um, the children are being taken um, for different reasons. As you know, the, 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 the clip that you sent me yesterday, the so-called sponsors, the unaccompanied minors, that's Joe Biden. Uh, Washington, D.C., the number one, the headquarters of child trafficking in this nation is in Washington, is the White House. When you talk about the unaccompanied minors, that's not, that has nothing to do with disadvantaged children coming to the land of the, the land of the free and the home of the brave to get wonderful opportunities for their families. That's a sham. These kids are being taken by the cabal. By the elite, by the so, pedophiles. So, so by do those you have need children? Can I ask a question about it? Do you have any insight into what's happening as all these tens of thousands of people come across the border? Many of them. Now, look, I've I've seen where the women are there. I know you can differentiate shots for the quote unquote conservative movement too. But we see largely a lot of these military age men, and then we see these children coming. Do you have information that would suggest that? A lot of these children are being separated out. We already heard about them being separated from their families or what they were called families when they were really child traffickers who were bringing them over. But in some cases, they're really separated from family. Uh, and in, the, in those instances, do you have any information or have you heard from people in your network that they're actually doing this uh, to traffic some of those children who are coming across the border? 
Um, for the vast majority, I, I, I can't say I have any inside source. It's just basically from working in the system and not how the system operates. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Working, these, these, these children, dis, they disappear, they're gone. Some of them are not even registered in the system. These so-called sponsors that are coming in, meeting these children on Joe Biden's midnight ride, plane, plane ride, to key states, meeting sponsors, picking them up at the airport. These are not family. These are not foster parents. Um, these are people that are trafficking children for whatever use, for whatever purposes they have. These children are the lost. You know, they, they, they go through this formality through the agency and said, oh, you know, we're sending them to family. Maybe 10% go to family, the families that really pursue the, you know, um, the, the, the pursue in finding these children. But why are there so many children coming across without parents? And the, the, the moment, you know, I heard, usually the government, you, you talk about a plan. You, you openly talk about a plan. Well, we have X amount of thousands of children coming in. We have to care for them. This is the process that we're going to do for these children that are coming in with our parents. And you have a plan. You put it forth. You don't pack children in a plane and fly them into cities and come in 12 midnight at night, 1 o'clock in the morning. Um, in key state cities and have sponsors picking them up from the airport. Mm. They're not even in the system. Yeah. yeah. They're not even going through the system. We saw a lot of that so, out of New York when what this maybe two or three years ago, we saw a lot of that happening. It is still happening by the, by the droves. It is still happening by the droves. There are 80 to 90, 150 200 kids coming in monthly. It is still going on. It's an underground secret operation. And it's, it's you know, they, this is, this is something that is coming up. I, I cannot spot it yet, but there will be organizations specifically for trafficking children under the guise of, you know, youth services and so on and so forth. Um, that are going to be coming up and popping up solely for the purpose of trafficking children. And so wow. you have a lot of, yeah, a lot of this that is going on around us and it's been complicit with, you know, as I said, law enforcement is being complicit with it. They're not doing any hard pursuit. There's no real um, plan in place. Um, nothing. The attorney generals of the states are part of the problem uh, of doing this. You know, Nancy Schaefer, she was one of the good guys in, in the Senate that pursued this and it cost her her life. Um, so there are some good guys in the system. There are good guys on the bench. We don't know who they are because they still have to preserve their livelihood and their record, um, but it, cause it can be deadly. Uh, a friend of mine that I assisted in Pennsylvania uh, on a recommendation after hearing her story, sadly, I had to tell her, if you get your grandchild back, it is by sheer miracle. But they stole your grandchild. Yep, it was yep. a plan. They determined and they bypassed so many things, legalities. They by broke so many laws, that judge broke so many laws, bypassed so many legalities. And um, 
stole her child. Another friend of mine, I literally went to Pennsylvania and she, had to, she couldn't afford an attorney, but I gave her a list of questions to ask. And so when I went there, she stood and was defending herself uh, regarding her child that they were trying to take. And immediately the judge stopped and asked who I was. Because you know, he knew the questions that she was asking was leading up to somewhere of the infractions that he was committing on the bench to take her child. Wow. And so he stopped the proceeding to ask, who are you? Because he knew the line of questions she was asking sure. was leading somewhere that would expose everyone in that court. And so she eventually got her child. Mm. They had the child over to her. And we got a question so in the chat I, here. Uh, yeah. The ratio to boys and girls and then ethnicities. Did these? I'm sure these come into play in some of the picking and choosing and things of that nature. Do you have any estimate as to you know, what the ratio is of boys to girls that are desired and then also their ethnicity? Because I, I know from here uh, in South Carolina, uh, listening years ago, the guy, one of the guys who helped lay the brick for our foundation, he, him and his wife were a mixed couple and they had 10 children. They were doing just great. They lived in a small house. Uh, so everybody didn't get their own room and stuff, which that's, Par for the course in the brown house here too, uh, but the but the point yeah. is is that they took the kids and the further they went down, of course, the CPS people and all the representatives were like, you know, zip lip, we can't talk about that, you know, that's privileged information. These are minors, blah blah blah. That's how they hide everything, and then uh, they come along, and then we find out at that time. This has probably been, gosh, uh, twenty five years or twenty or twenty five years, something like that uh, ago. We find out that when they can take the parental rights, they can take and adopt these kids out and like minority children would be worth like $10,000 a piece at the time. So there was a lot of incentive not to keep the family together, but to spread it apart for the person who's in the, uh, you know, who's in the get for that. So what are the ratios of boys versus girls? And then does ethnicity play a part in that as well? You know, I'm not sure in terms of the ratio. The ratio. Um, I know there's a lot of uh, black and brown kids that are in the system because basically, you know, these children are being pulled from families uh, in the minority group. And so um, most of, I, I believe, of the children, for instance, New York City, I would say maybe 80%, a full 80%, um, or black and brown children, you know, Hispanic, African-American, you know, or the Caribbean, um, you know, that we have here um, in most of the agencies that I've been with. It's a vast, you know, um, ethnic. Uh, for those that are getting the children, it, I've found that it really made no difference, um, the ethnic, uh, you know, or color that they choose to have. They just want to, a child. A yeah, they're just so old. wicked. They just want a warm um, body, right? Is that basically want, the case? They want to harm. Yeah, it's just about harming these children. Um, as Jessica Zaboda had said in her thing, after 12, it's almost like they're expendable. Um, the younger ones are usually for, for raping and torturing and sacrifice. The older ones are usually for sexual um, purposes. 
um, by, you know, being used by pedophiles or the girls being raped or put out to prostitution. This is what empowers and this is what nourishes and sustains the kingdom of darkness. And this is why this is so prevalent. And it is all now being done in plain sight. It is happening before us by people that we know. Um, our neighbors are involved in it and in the cover-up. I have neighbors that watch me and report, you know. Um, they're involved in the cover-up. Uh, they were wonderful neighbors for years. And I remember um, they, you know, usually they knew I lived by myself and give me a plate. But last Thanksgiving, they gave me a plate, you know, meal, and I thanked them and everything. We had a wonderful relationship. But I don't know what was in that. But when I put the food in my mouth, Again, my mouth began to burn, not like pepper, but something very ash like ash. And so I spit it out. And my mouth was burning for days. Um, and I noticed the changes in my neighbor. I did know what was going on. Um, but, you know, as I said, there's so many people involved in watching, monitoring individuals like myself and reporting back whoever it is they're reporting to. Um, to. For me to have, you know, last this long in my industry, I'm just amazed, you know. On my current job, they have been informed uh, about me, and I have a wonderful born-again manager. I know they're beating her up. Um, you know, when I shared with her that I was going to do these kind of platforms, you know, um, I cannot disclose her demeanor, but it says a lot. Um, and so she, I know she, she, you know, I know they're beating her up as other managers, but um, everyone, you know, they're good guys. I'm a whistleblower. I came forward. There are many who were in the system and I encourage them to do so. I encourage them to do so. Come forward, speak, Amen. forward those information to the, to the radio program. If you don't want to give your name, tell the story, send it out to the radio station, send it out to um, the guys on the front line that are fighting this, give the name, expose the judges, expose the, the managers and the directors, let that investigate be done. Because the last thing they want is for their names to be out there as someone doing this. So, you know, when, when we begin to put their names out in the media, out in the platform, and said, this is what, and make sure we said alleged. It is alleged that this judge is trafficking children, right? There will be an investigation. There will be a grassroots movement. There will be people that are coming forward and said, yes, my child was in the system. I did what I was supposed to do. And this judge took my child and gave it. That they, they don't want that kind of spotlight on them or their family or right. their career. Yeah, and one of the... And so I... One of the best things, Anne, is for people to do what you're doing. The sunlight is, as they, the old adage is, is, the best disinfectant. If people remain silent, that's what they're counting on. If people remain fearful, that's what they're Absolutely. counting on. And we have to be like Absolutely. David, and I commend you for that. There's a lot of people in the chat who are commending you as well for coming out and telling this stuff because... David didn't run out there and say, "Hey, can I get a, you know, can I get a census here? Do, are you guys with me or not against going against the giant? Do, do do I have the vote? Is the king behind?" No, he just understood. And I read this passage the other week. Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause for the man, the men, to go out 
and to deal with the criminals that are in their midst. And, you know, again, tactical civics is not about just restoring the militia in the county, but it's also about restoring the grand jury where the people have mm -hmm. the authority to bring this information in. Someone like yourself and others can can take and have information that you have and you can dump that in there and that becomes evidence uh, in a grand jury. And then if the grand jury finds this the, these people uh, guilty, then the militia becomes the enforcement arm of that, not the FBI, not the, you know, state attorney general, not any of the National Guard, not any of that nonsense. It's the men. 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 And, you know, and yeah. mm -hmm. I, I've had so many women on the show. I've had some men, too, but I've had so many women who are on the front line doing the stuff. They're, they're out there, you know, sort of getting their hands dirty in this stuff and exposing things. And they and every every time without fail, it almost goes, you know, we need some men in our midst. Yeah, we do, because men are supposed to be doing that stuff. The men are supposed yeah. to be doing mm -hmm. it. So I want to call on men to do that. I got two questions I want to ask you. The first one is, is this when you heard the um, uh, let me ask you if you've heard it, because this is going to be an assumption that I have. Have you heard of the Pizzagate stuff? Yes, absolutely. OK, what was your thought being in that system? And hearing about that, was your inclination to believe it was true or it was just something that was being made up? This is not an inclination. This is what's happening. Pizzagate is real. Pizzagate is happening in our system. This Pizzagate is head up by Hillary Clinton. She's at the top of that chain of pyramid. John Podesta. These are the people that were in connection and in cahoots. And even though he left office, I'm almost sure that he um, was in cahoots with John Podesta. I have Who is that, Clinton? John Podesta. John Podesta Ob Obama? Hillary Clinton. No, Hillary Clinton. Okay. He, she, he was Hillary Clinton's campaign manager. Okay, got it. But when the Pizzagate hit, he was the head guy behind all of it. Um, and so what happened was I was doing supervised visitation is something I do, you know, where I supervise visits for custody cases, you know, family come together, you know, a father or mother and the court requires, uh, those visits to be supervised. Um, the case I had was down in the back of the building of our headquarters. And I remember, and they followed me, they, they know my every move, my phone is hacked, my PC is hacked, they, they just monitor my movement, they have integrated my laptop so they know when I go on, they know what I type, they know everything that I do. Hey guys um, from the Sons of Liberty, <laughs> you're listening in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I, you know, I got up and I was going to work and I saw this man by the building and he was watching me and I said, I know this person, I almost said hi, I'm like, where do I know this person from? But I, I kept, and he kept, and so when he saw me coming, he also started walking towards me, looked me dead in the face. He didn't say hi, and I'm like, I know this person. Where do I know them from? It was when I got home that night, I said, oh, my God, that was John Podesta. So this is a kind of intimidation um, wow. that they use. And they've been using for years to intimidate me out of what I'm doing. Now, I'm supposed to be dead 
a long time ago. It has not happened. These people are murderous killers. Um, they, you know, uh, know I am protected by God. I'm covered by God. I have no fear. Amen. Um, Amen. I said, if I lose my life, it's a win-win situation because I'm going to heaven. That's right. Um, that I'm assured of. Um, but Pizzagate is real. Pizzagate is happening. It is happening in our cities. It is happening in child welfare. And I also hate to say it, but it's also happening in our churches. Um, when I spoke yep, to it him, is. when I did his program, he, he, he spoke to me of a church out in California. Um, and th this was just a suspicion of mine that has been growing because I feel it's something the Lord is also tapping me on the shoulder to say, pay attention. And he, he talked about the deacons who would take these young girls off, you know, for a couple of hours and bring them back. And so one of the ladies who worked at the church, you know, brought it to the pastor. And what he did was call child welfare on the woman. They stole her child and is trafficking her daughter. So this is how they, they deal with whistleblowers. Like they wanted to take my grandnieces and traffic them. And so, um, you know, because I was speaking out, so they wanted to teach me a lesson, except I out-strategized them and out-maneuvered them because they didn't think I had the courage. And because they knew I work in the system, they weren't, they weren't going to get over as easy as they got over on others who don't work in the system. So they know how easy it would be for me to fight, to blow their cover, and to just explode this whole thing in the court system. So I am, I am very passionate in pursuing um, this platform for it to be known. And again, I just really, because this is the only way, the court of public opinion is what's going to take this empire down. Whistleblowers in the system, workers, supervisors, the good guys, they need to put the name out there. My goal is to set up a P.O. box that I can get the name in the system. They won't know who because the good guys will investigate. The Jim Jordans of the Senate will stand at the podium and say, this is the tip we have, and we're going to investigate this. Let me right? let me yeah and let so me let me make mention of something about that because you mentioned Jim Jordan. I mean Jim Jordan's got his own issues of keeping quiet some rapes that were going on in the college he was at. So I I'm not mm -hmm. convinced that this investigating by politicians is doing squat. We've been how many investigations, how many, you know, meetings did we have on Fast and Furious, and not a single person has been brought to justice. In fact, they found Eric Holder in contempt of Congress, and that mug is out there making who knows what kind of money out in California uh, as an attorney. He hasn't been brought to justice. Yeah. Obama hasn't been. None of the ATF, the unconstitutional lawless thugs at the ATF, and yes, I said you're thugs, whether you realize it or not, because you don't apply in the Constitution. I'm not convinced, and that we're going to get that from the politicians. That's why I say yeah. we're going to have to start doing it ourselves. We are the solution with the grand jury and with the militia. We're going to have to do it that way. And if we if we're trusting the same people who've set back silent, are, let me let me just ask A this: Do you think any of these guys who would do these investigations aren't aware of this stuff in the first place? And yet. 
a lot of them are, yeah, I, I do believe a lot of them are aware. I believe DeSantis is aware. Um, Trump is very much aware, and, and Trump is playing a big part in bringing exposure to a lot of this. Um, but there are many underlying factors why some of them have not been as bold in coming forward about it. Some of them are being, some of them ended up being on the take. You know, they need pack money for sure. their, you know, uh, um, so they will just scratch the surface. Um, but some of them are being threatened. Their families are being threatened. Um, and, and, you know, their loved ones are being threatened. Uh, they know their political suicide, career suicide, losing their livelihood. Um, a lot of people are not willing to take the step. I mean, for me to do this, it, it took many years because I know I will not be able to hold a job in this city. But the Lord has assured me, you will be okay. Trust me on this. Okay, yeah, I, I've got amen. you. You know, you, so, you you mentioned this, Anne. You mentioned uh, the issue with Trump. Now, I give him props for where, where I see props. He did put out a, a month for child trafficking. That was a good thing. Uh, he did some things as far as there was a, I think there were more arrests of pedophile rings, whether they're the big fish or the little fish. There were more mm -hmm. of, of that than there were any other administration that I seen. However, Donald Trump had decades of dealing with Jeffrey Epstein, who was known, to, you mm -hmm. know, the term pedophile, I think is misused. Pedophile, pedo means infants. It means, you know, little kids, I would say prepubescent and mm -hmm. up to those who were unborn. Uh, those who are older, we consider minors. They might be, be between, depending on what your state is, I guess, 16 to 18. I guess some of them still have 14. Uh, our forefathers used to mm -hmm. marry at 14, 15, 16. So it wasn't, that's not, that's not some kind of crime that that was going on. Mm -hmm. However, he had this tie with Epstein. The, when Epstein was busted the second time after being convicted, um, the guy who gave him the sweetheart deal is all of a sudden elevated by Donald Trump to the Secretary of Labor. And so my my question mm -hmm. has always been, and I'm not trying to make this about Donald Trump, but I'm just saying about how we're presented with stuff. That's what I want people to get, how we're presented with things. Uh, we're presented with the conservative talking heads who kind of came over to Donald Trump's side, and they've kind of been playing interference for him. Uh, when some of us have been sitting back going, nope, that's not the way it is at all. And I've got the video to prove it and him with his own mouth saying it. So the, mm -hmm. the, the point I'm wanting to ask you is, what was your thoughts concerning the Epstein didn't kill himself kind of scenario where he is incarcerated under Donald Trump, who he's been friends with for decades, and he just got rid of him shortly before he announced his bid for being president in 2016. He just got rid of him then, but he had been with him. He had done some business dealings with him. He had been on his plane, for goodness sake, folks. Uh, and all of this, what happened when you heard that this guy is dead and you know the kind of human trafficking, maybe child trafficking, that, that was going on? You know there was at least minors involved. How did What did that make you think was going on there in D.C.? Well, my... My thoughts on Jeffrey Hepstein is that he's somewhere in Cancun or Switzerland on a beach somewhere drinking pina colada. Israel, yeah. <laughs> Israel, Israel is, I, I believe, is the key state that most people have said where he is. Jeff, Jeffrey Epstein was far too powerful and knew too many powerful 
people to commit suicide or die in prison. Um, at the time when this alleged death happened or suicide, the cameras happened to not be working. The, the guard happened to fall asleep at that moment. This was a carefully planned orchestrate prison break. Um, my situation is here I am in an industry carrying on like people, people have spilled the beans because they didn't know who I was. Sometimes you have to be undercover in your own space to get the inf necessary information you need. And so in terms of Donald Trump, yes, he was friends with Epstein for so many years. But like many people out there, I believe, I'm not saying this is the case with Donald Trump, but people are redeemable. Um, people views that they may have had 20 years ago may be different from today, you know. And so maybe somewhere along the way, Donald Trump said, you know, how could I be mixed up with this creep, you know? He's having children. Now he has grandchildren. So when you're holding your little grandson and your little granddaughter and you're thinking about all these kids on Jeffrey's Island that you saw, that has to do something to you. That has to do something to you. Sure. Um, unless but, you're one of the cannibals drinking blood, <laughs> you know, that have been become so demonized. Sure. You know? Yeah, no, I, I get that. I, a, young, a, a young playboy. Now you're a grandfather. Yeah, well, I, here's, a, here's the thing. Here's the thing, Anne. Um, yeah. With that, I, I believe that men who are truly repentant, they bear forth the fruit of that. Yeah. You can see it. You can hear it from them. It's it's apparent. Mm -hmm. It's I haven't seen any of that. I, I know the people that are run around, and I don't. Again, I don't want to make it about Ooh. Donald Trump, but I just go back just a few years ago when he did an interview with that that guy Howard Stern, and he takes his daughter right. on, and he lets Howard Stern talk about. You're telling me that a man who's had a come to Jesus moment where he's really been born again, as some people want to say he's been, which he's never said himself. Um, in fact, mm -hmm. he denies the gospel. The, the the things that we have from him says. I don't have any need to repent. I don't have any need to ask God for forgiveness, any of this. But but the point I'm trying to say is he's in, everybody thinks he's the outsider, but he's in with all these people. He's in with them. And, you know, it. it what, what does the scripture say? It says, you know, bad company corrupts good morals. Correct. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and we think mm -hmm. of if you lie down with dogs, you get. Please, right? We think about that. Now, I'm not saying people can't come out of that. God knows I've come out of that. I, I laid down with a lot of dogs. Mm -hmm. uh, but the fact mm -hmm. of the matter is it became evident because I'm, I'm not around those people. I'm, 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 I'm just not around them anymore. I don't do those things. So that's kind of where I was going right. with that. But I was kind of curious as to, did you have any expectation uh, that there was going to be a justice, that there was going to be some dumping out of information, and that we were going to actually see justice, because that's what Donald Trump promised us. He did promise us justice against yeah. these wicked politicians, and he brought nothing. So I, I'm kind of curious, did well, you have I, that expectation? Were you a little let down? when? Yeah, I think, okay. I think we all did. I think we all did. Um, there, were, there were documents sent to me 
that I'm like, why is Hillary Clinton not in prison? The federal prison doing 10 lifetimes, you know? Why is John Podesta not in prison? Why is Marina Abramovich is not in prison for, for crimes against children? Oh, sure. You know? Um, why are these people? Because the people that are to prosecuting, the, look what's happening with Hunter Biden. The people that are supposed to prosecute these cases are part That's right. of this corrupt. This is, this is why I say it falls to our lap. It falls to the people's lap in the uh, the grand jury yeah. and the militia. We've got to reestablish that, yeah. and then we will reestablish justice because we'll be the ones carrying it out. Absolutely. And, and, you know, we just really have to lean in. The people's voices have to be heard. Um, we have to be the courtroom of justice for this nation because the, the, the Congress has failed us. The judicial system is failing us. The legal system is failing us. And so we as the people, as you said, the militia, we have to rise up. We have to be the one to let our voices be heard, put a demand on the people that we are electing and said, no, we have heard that this judge and we have had countless stories and we're putting pressure on you. If you want to represent us, if you want to be the, our voice in the Senate and the Congress, we are putting a demand on you to open up, investigate this judge. We have a hundred mothers that came forward, solid cases that said their child was taken through this judge. Now we need him to be removed off the bench. And so the people have to rise up. The people have to let their voice be That's heard. right. That's we right. We have to become bold. We have to become fearless. We have to put their names out there. Um, you know, one of the, my friend who was an, an advocate, you know, she was like, you know, and I, my friend and I, and her friend got a job right back in the system. She didn't do, but one of the good judges hired her. You know, one of the good judges on the bench opened up a spot. And so she got a job in the court system, right? So God said to me, Anne, I've got you. I've got your career. Don't worry about it. Be that voice. Rally the people, rally the mothers whose children were stolen, stand with them, have these cases be reopened, put a demand on the attorney, the attorney general. We have the evidence here. And if you don't move on our behalf and represent the people, then you will be removed from office. These people do not want these um, allegations at their doorstep. Um, they don't want to be humiliated. They don't want their families to be humiliated. And so the people have to be the court of law, the court of justice, and we have to take action. And there are many in the system, my colleagues, they're part of it. Some of them are not, but they're silent. Uh, they, you know, if I bring it up, they will look at me and walk away because they're scared. They're scared. And so um, I've been very vocal about it. And uh, when, you know, once even my current uh, position you know, the, the top brass, you know, when I was supposed to do the program with Jim and, you know, I was telling Jim, I said, Jim, do not be surprised if this happens, if that happens, you know, they they have my conversation. They know I'm going to be doing this with you at a certain time. And sure enough, you know, there was a request that made that I couldn't do Jim's show at the time, <laughs> you know, is that I was going to do it in my lunchtime. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm not surprised. 
we, we need this immediately and we need you to track this from when you started with us and give us every, so I had to provide that information which preempted my program with Jim. So we did it afterwards as a, you know, a pre-recorded. Um, but they, they all came down. They wanted to see who I was. Um, I was in the court one day and the word got around and all these attorneys were just walking by and all you could hear, right? Whether those were the good guys or the bad guys, but we have to stand and we have to speak out. And I would encourage all my colleagues across this nation that are child welfare worker, if you're a good guy and you know this is going on, I'm asking you to forward this information to Tim Brown, uh, Sons of Liberty. Um, so we need to out expose these judges and everyone that's involved. It's the people that is going to bring justice to this issue because the, the lawyers are not doing it and the police officers are not doing it. The FBI is not doing it. The attorney generals are not doing it. It is the people that are going to have to band together, rally together, come together, march together, and put these corrupt politicians out of office who refuse it. That's right, preach, preach it, people. sister. I, look, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. And that's what I'm saying. But people don't yeah. understand how to do that. They think that doing that is going to the voting booth in November or making a call or just making an email to, to a, a representative. That's not what does it. They're going to have to be part of that solution in the fact of, they're going to have to get their grand jury uh, in their county, and they're going to have to install yes, the militia, the, the, the men, to enforce an indictment should you have it. Because it is, it is so corrupt, just as you said. It's in the police departments. It's in the, 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 in the judicial system. It's in the, mm -hmm. the governor's uh, you know, house. It's in the attorney general's. All these people are involved. You can't trust any of them in it. And you what you can trust, though, is yeah. yeah. what you can trust is your neighbors who think the same way you do and are going to go deal with the stuff. That's and but it has to come out of the local area, your local community, your city, yes, your county, right in those areas. And you're mm -hmm. going to have to do it because you're not getting justice any other way. And I see so many people uh, and who are frustrated because they're promised justice mm -hmm. and they don't get it. And I keep thinking to myself, we're the solution to the problem. We're the solution to bring justice uh, in, in our midst. Our government is set up that way. Who is the government? It's the people. We, the people, establish mm -hmm. this. Now, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So mm -hmm. here's, here's the thing. I got one last question for you. This comes from the chat. And then if you'll hang on after we close out, I'll say goodbye to you off air. But we got a question about okay. the shots, these, these experimental COVID shots. What have you seen in CPS? Are they looking to force these shots on family members and children as well? Uh, can you can you even answer that? This isn't really a part about human trafficking there, but can you answer whether well, or not that's going on? It is going on. Um, in foster care, six months, children are forced to get these shots. It's mandatory. It's mandatory, six months. It's mandatory that these children begin to get these shots at six months. Uh, it's, it's hush hush, it's not out, but at six months. I was livid when I had a case and the child was six months and they had to give this kid um, the shot. Um, my niece took her children out of school. Her, at the time, was six years, seven years old, four year old. 
and homeschool them because it was mandatory for them to get these COVID shots. Um, why are you giving COVID shots to babies who are still in their developmental stages? Because they're wicked. Untried, untested, unproven uh, shots when their brains are still developing, so much in, in their bodies are still developing. Um, when this COVID thing hit and the lockdown started in March, I went on social media and I said, the Lord has spoken to me that COVID is man-made, man-engineered, man-managed, and was released into the masses. Ooh, I cannot begin to tell you how many people blocked me, shut me down, called me crazy. But two and a half years later, we are realizing that what I said on my social media platform is so. That's true. When they started pushing these vaccines, COVID vaccines, um, I refused to take it. I told family members of mine, do not take it. Some had to take, some took it because of their job. And the Lord spoke to me clearly and he said, and for your family members and my people who take it, I'm going to supernaturally neutralize it out of their system. And so um, that gave me some comfort. Now they also had where they were doing the temperature check. And as a social worker, I went into hospital to visit a baby who was born with substance abuse. And then they had the laser gun that they would be putting in the forest. And so my job installed the one that had to go into the forest. And they, everybody had to line up and, you know, put your forehead to the laser gun to go in. And so I hit out uh, against the management on that. And I said, listen, I will not be taking my temperature with a laser going through the center of my forehead. And so I made a list of about eight questions that they needed to answer for me before I stand and do a list. They couldn't, they could not answer those questions. And so they resorted to use the gun on the wrist. When I went into the hospital and they put that laser gun to my head to take my temperature, I said, I will not take, I will not take it. You're going to do my wrist. And so they were doing, and they said, okay, stand off to the side. And so they had the laser gun in everybody's head. And when the coast was clear, they called me over. And I did it on my wrist, on my arm. And so the personnel said to me, the medical personnel said to me, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah. He said, why didn't you want it in your forehead? I said, I don't know what that laser is doing to the pineal gland. Sure. And I know that there is a connection there. And the person slapped the side of their head and said, oh, my God, somebody knows we're all in trouble. Well, not only not only that, not only that, and it's it's the whole thing of taking what they call a temperature gun and putting it to somebody's head. It's this. Uh, softening of people for what's coming, because if people haven't read, uh, it's a great book. Guy's name is Stephen Halford. Uh, he's the father of a guy we've had on the show to talk about vaccines. But uh, he's got a book called "Gun Control in the Third Reich." Okay, and I'll try mm-hmm. to remember to throw that in the archives. But when you read it, you'll see they went Nazi Germany went out of a complete, uh, you know, understanding of law. And if they caught you with a knife, mm-hmm. if they caught you with a truncheon, if they caught you with a pistol, they just shot you in the street. They, you didn't get a trial. They found it on you. They killed you right in front of everybody right out in the street, literally. 
And I think mm-hmm. this is what they're setting people up with uh, through some of this stuff is to be desensitized to what they're actually doing. And then, of course, you bring Absolutely. in the false teachings of evolution and some of the other things, and you you kind of get that going that's, on. But you get the you get the point. Yes, uh, COVID was about uh, compliance and cooperation to government. Um, all these lines, these uh, distancing, and and everything was just a cooperation. Um, I never took the vaccine. Um, I, I did mine under a religious exam, and thank God someone hired me. <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay, God, you had the right HR, because after she hired me, she left, and a new HR was in place. Amen. You know, but she accepted my religious, you know, my, my space exemption, and so I didn't take the vaccine. I didn't have to take the vaccine. Amen. Good for you. Good for you. Weekly. Yeah, I, I, I had to go uh, do a weekly COVID test, you know, which... um my insurance paid for. So I do a testing weekly. Thank God it's been, you know, negative. Um, many have kind of phased that out since we're kind of going back to normal. But the COVID was about a dress rehearsal of things to come. It was about government getting people to be obedient, to, to, to fall in line and do whatever they says and do what, whatever they decree. And so we as the people of God, the Bible tells us that we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. Um, it means we are the preservatives of the earth. Which yes, means that's right. People of God, like you, Jim, and 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 Tim and and Jim, having your voices out there, sitting on the social, uh, the the media, the media platform, to speak and to rally. Um, many of us in the body of Christ need to be out in the marketplace, being the salt to change the corrupt system uh, that we have found ourselves in because guess what has happened now satan's army satan's militia has risen to the top yeah and they're occupying seats of government unfortunately let's let's address that as the final thing they're making the corrupt laws yeah. Yeah. Let's address that as a final thing, Anne, because that's exactly right. Now, I want to I want to preface it with this, and then I want you to give a final word to the audience, maybe a word of exhortation, because I don't want to leave people. That's why I've been punching the tactical civics, grand jury, militia kind of stuff. Is I don't want to leave people in this doom and gloom, hopeless kind of situation. Jesus said, "Now either you believe Jesus or you don't believe him." But he said, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Gates don't move. They sit in one place. So if the gates mm-hmm. of hell are prevailing against the church, if at least if that's what our perception is, it's because the church is not, quote-unquote, militant, as we used to talk about. It's not masculine. I know, she's, I know the church is referred to as a she, but there is this militant effort to push forth the crown rights of King Jesus upon the nations through discipleship. And, you know, this, this syrupy, milk toast, panty-waisted mm. kind of, you know, masculinity that's, that's masquerading as though it's men uh, is not helping our society. If men find our rightful place, if we find our rightful place, we will lead our wives, we will lead our children, we will lead our grandchildren, our communities mm-hmm. towards the obedience to God that we desire to see so that we might enjoy liberty, not so that we might enjoy slavery. So what I want to do is turn it over to you, find a word from you, Anne. And uh, by the way, a lot of uh, stuff I'm seeing in the chat 
really appreciative of you speaking out of the fact that you're a believer as well, and you're adding that into that. And there's a lot of prayers for you that the Lord's going to protect you, like he said he would if you hide yourself in him, Psalm 91. So I'm going to leave the last word to you. You have a final exhortation that you would give our audience, whether they're in New York City or here in South Carolina or whatever state they're in or even around the world. What would you encourage them to do? Um, thank you for that, uh, Tim, um, for that scripture verse. It, it is so comforting and it gives us so much hope um, that, you know, Jesus left us with those words that um, the gates of hell will not prevail. It is pushing, but it's, it, the, you know, he says it will not prevail, which means we will not be overtaken. We will not be overcome. We have to understand that if we believe that we are the end time church, we have to move from being congregants to being combatants. Because the end time church in the book of Revelation is a warring church. And so we, as God's people, we are the hope. We are the hope for the world. It's, we are still the hope. Jesus is the hope of the world. But we as people are the ones that are the givers of hope for the world. And That's what right. We are seeing. Yep. And, and so unfortunately, yes, we, we have been tackling this issue for many years and many voices and many on the front line. And, and, and we're not seeing this thing crack. We're not seeing it broken. We're not seeing things change. We're not seeing things move. And we're feeling in our resolve that, God, how is this going to happen? Is there anything with all this corruption around us and all the people that are supposed to be tackling this thing and prosecuting this thing and big, and they are part, how are we going to see solution? How are we going to find some semblance of hope? I can assure you of this one thing, um, Tim, that the hand of God is moving in the midst of this. Amen. Powerfully. Amen. That's right. The hand of God is moving. And there have been some key symbols that we have missed along the way in 2022. Number one, Roe v. Wade was overturned by the highest court in the land. That was the first thing. Which means the God of Moloch is being weakened. The bloodshed, the blood sacrifice of abortion is weakening the resolve of the God of Molech. When the God of Molech is being weakened, it means the people of God are rising. The second key thing we missed was the demolishing of the Georgia Guidestones, which is the Ten Commandments of the New World Order. God demolished, crumbled that as a sign to this nation that I'm in charge. And shortly we will see it. There is going to be one of the greatest revivals to ever sweep this nation shortly. I know that for a fact. I believe that for sure. I do believe that. And God is getting ready to sweep through this nation in such a way. And I'm, I'm, I'm seeing it now. I'm seeing it in my, in my home state. I'm seeing it in my city. I remember when the abortion issue came up, my governor was the first governor to sign that paper. The ink did not dry yet. 
for late-term abortion that says even after a woman has a baby that her and the doctor can consent to killing that child after the child was born. My governor of my state and God says, I want Herod removed and I need you to intercede. Amen. Amen. She's a wicked woman. I interceded for, yeah, I interceded for one and a half years and I point my finger up straight to Albany and I command the kingdom of Herod to be brought down, to be demolished. I took his seat down and dismantled its operation in Albany, which is our seat of government. And sure enough, scandal after scandal after scandal after scandal, he could not survive it until he finally resigned and left office. And so I knew, and I know that God is moving. And before the government, the the, the election, governor's election across this nation, God said there will be many October surprises. And many Republican conservative governors are now in place. So God is moving, but his people need to see the hand of God in the midst of the darkness, that God's hand is moving sovereignly across this nation. And that is where our hope is in God. If we can see what God is doing, if we could see the light of God, if we could just see that we are that city upon a hill that cannot be hid. Ah, and know that God certainly is in control. Hillary is shaking in her boots. All these people are shaking in their boots because their kingdom is being demolished. We are not seeing it with the natural eye, but it is happening in the spirit. Amen. When the Georgia guys went down that Ten Commandments flag, God is saying, I'm demolishing this new world order. I am crumbling it. I am taking it down. I need my people to rise up. I need my intercessors to rise up. Oh, we are not without hope. That's right. Oh, my goodness. And you know what? We're almost at two hours, and you're now preaching here a little bit. So... (laughs) I, I, I wish you'd have started. I wish you'd started this about thirty minutes ago or an hour ago. That would be great. I, what you said is exactly right. The people of God. Yes, we're not here, hope. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what you think about this. I, I said I was giving you the last word there. I don't know what you think about this, but I, I often think, you know, I, I've told people. I said, you know, regardless of your eschatology, uh, the, which is the study of last things, I can be brothers and. You know, sis, I can have brothers and sisters I recognize, and I can have fellowship. You know, we're all in different stages of our sanctification where the Lord is growing us, where he's taught us things, yeah. and we're to sharpen one another through those experiences and through the word of God that he's given us. And I think you've done some of that here, especially in the past five minutes, for sure. But mm. but I, so many Christians have this doom and gloom outlook on life. And I, you know what? Mm-hmm. I, I'm not an I'm not a last days guys kind of thing. Mine is look today might be my last day. So what does difference does it make for the other? Today might be my last day. I might meet the Lord. What am I doing? What am I going to have to answer for? What do I need to fix or repent or turn from? Um, that's that's my view of that because we're only we're only granted the moment that we're in. Jesus said we don't even worry about mm-hmm. the things of tomorrow because today's got enough concern for itself. We don't do that. And so 
when I hear you giving this message, you're giving a message of hope. It's not like, well, the bad guys have won. They're just going to win. That's just the way the world works. You're one that says, okay, these are the bad guys. Here they are. I'm marking them out. And you know what? You go out like David said and said, you know, who are you, you uncircumcised Philistine? Who are you to come against the armies of the Lord? And I wish Christians would get that in their, their blood because you got it. I hear it in your voice. I hear it in what you're saying. And the believers out there, I want to encourage you as Ann just did. This is not a time for waiting around to punch a card, strike up your finger over mm-hmm. some, some electronic voting thing that's going to steal your vote, that's going to corrupt the system. It's time for you to do your duty. Be part of the grand jury, push yeah. that in your local area, and push for the militia, the enforcement arm of that. Because Absolutely. the lo- yeah. if, you know, Ann... If we don't bring justice, how are we honoring the God who is just? How are we honoring him and and coming behind it, even with the gospel for those who are humble and who do repent of their sin, which the Bible says is transgression of the law, God's moral law. There's no question of that. We can hold out that mercy to them, too. But how are we to proclaim ourselves just and the representatives? you, You were making mention of this earlier, the ambassadors of Christ of his mercy towards sinners, how are we to do that if we're not willing to enforce justice, which is based upon the law? And what does Paul say about that? He says the law is there to drive us to Christ. It's to drive us to him. Absolutely. So, Mm -hmm. Ann, I want to thank you. I I Just uh, a lot of people are saying that in the chat. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for spending the extra hour. (laughs) We only had you for an hour, but thank you for spending the extra hour. (laughs) Yeah, thank thank you, Tim. (laughs) And and you've got my number. If there's some updates that come along, would you be kind enough to update us on that? You can get what we can bring you on the show for a few minutes or we can bring you on for a whole time. Absolutely. I'd really like to see that because I think if we can get one county or even a state, a state is kind of big for me, but you know, the Lord can grant that he can move mountains. Right. Um, so if we can yes, take, yes. if we can take, and we can at least bring it in a county to take and expose what's going on and show that the church has found her militantism. If you'll, if you'll pardon the term that's used there, their militantism yeah. mm-hmm. to go and protest it, to push it forward, to bring justice in the matter, instead of just sitting back and saying, oh, well, the world's going to hell in a handbasket, and that's what we think it's going to be, so therefore we're just going to let it be. No, I don't think that's how the Lord has worked all throughout history. I don't think that's how he's working now. I don't think that's how he's working in the future. It requires the, and I, I stress men, and you're you're a woman, you're standing up and you're blowing the whistle here, but it really falls on us as men to carry it out and to to make sure that justice is actually brought. So I want to thank you for for coming on and doing that. Thank you so much, Tim. I really, really, really appreciate the opportunity to be able to discuss this and be able to have the platform to put it out there. Amen. And as soon as I get any updates, I believe our commission, I have to read the the packet. Something was sent down to the agencies uh, regarding a massive child anti-trial child trafficking um, symposium that is happening in my city um, for 2023. It was a huge package. And I said, wow, I've never seen this before, but Mm. I believe my voice is being heard. Amen. And um, I do know the the commissioner, I worked under him as a CEO, is very aware of me, very aware that I've been very 
vocal I've been not just blowing the whistle but the horn and so um, I believe my state will be uh, a forerunner state to this issue mm. of commissioners beginning to crack down on the child trafficking. I, I pray think, that I pray um, that happens. I really do. I pray that his, his, his wife is a pastor here. Um, so and he, you know, he went through Christian college and everything. And so I believe God has supernaturally and divinely positioned him as commissioner of the child welfare system and his, his wife is also uh on the front line against child trafficking so i believe that is probably a divine move of god that he is the commissioner of the child welfare system in new york city and i saw this elaborate thing when i was leaving work of an initiative that is pushing for 2023 of saving our children our children are not for sale Amen. that was the battle that's right our that's right not for sale and I'm grateful to see that. I have to go read through it. I have my piece to add to it that I will send to his office because he has to do something on the grassroots level, not just train the staff, but on the grassroots level in terms of reaching the, the, the programs to be more proactive, uh, playing a more proactive role uh, in, in tackling the trafficking of our children. Yep. And so that will be my piece in the webinar. Um, again, thank you for this platform. I will forward anything that comes down the pike for our discussion to keep this at the forefront. Thank you for what the Sons of Liberty are doing. And yes, we need our men on the front line to keep pushing and, and take back our nation state by state, county by county, and city by city. And so I'm, I'm really, really happy to be able to have this platform with you this morning. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Anne, for not only the information, but for your boldness, for your courage, which comes from the Lord. The, the righteous are made bold as lions. I'm sitting here. I'm about to cry like a baby. Everybody knows I get a little bit like this, but I, I see you standing up and saying the things you're saying and continuing in that system, exposing it. In fact, in spite of the fact you know that there are people who are out to kill you, who are out to discredit you and all that, praise God for you, Anne. I pray the Lord's blessing over you. I pray that he would bless you with every protection, that his angels, as my father used to pray, would put a hedge of protection around you, that they would encamp around you, and that you would go forth as bold as David did before Goliath. And you would see the glory of God in your midst as your enemies are, are put down before you and that justice reigns in that area of uh, New York there. And I pray there'll be other people who do it. As Ann said, look, any of you guys, if you have stories, if you're on the inside, I can keep you anonymous. We don't even have to mention your name. I don't know. Maybe if we pre-recorded, I could learn something new. <laughs> and that's how to morph voices or whatever the case may be. Uh, but, you know, if you've got these things and you're inside the system, you can prove that as Ann has. And by the way, folks, I've got, I don't know how many things Jim sent me over that you sent to Jim, about ten, nine or 10 different documents that show she's the real deal. She's not uh, a fake. She's not uh, any of that stuff. She's, I've got the credentials here as best we can track them. And Ann's telling the truth of what's going on. So it really is up to us to learn what our duty is to enforce the law, and by enforcing the law, and I'm talking about the moral law of God. I'm not talking about all these statutes and codes and crap they throw out of the states, the counties, and the federal government. I'm talking about moral law. 
don't kill, don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't covet. Well, not that you can enforce that really, but that's going to be God's issue to deal with. Um, you know, not perjuring yourself, not lying. Those are the things you can actually enforce law on. This other stuff that they put in is all man-made law. And they have nothing to do with God's law. It might sound good, but it's not. And again, Ann, we thank you for coming on with us this morning. Hang on, and I'll say goodbye to you off air. Guys, if you'll catch Bradley at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, sonsoflibertymedia.com. He'll be live then. And then we'll be back with you in the morning, Lord willing, 6 a.m., bright and early. Talk to you then. See ya.